athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. I am back and raring to go as you got it locked to another edition of the program. Had a wonderful vacation, spent some time, spent a week in Orlando. Good time, didn't do a whole lot, got to rest a, a little bit, a little bit of rest and relaxation. Did enough, right? Like, did enough. You don't go on vacation just to not do anything. You know, or maybe you do, I don't know, if you go somewhere particularly. But got a lot of rest and uh, ready to rock and roll as we uh, get ready for this home stretch. You know, we've got, uh, I tell you what, the football season is what? We are about a month and a half from the start of the football season, about a month and a half or so from the start of the football season. And uh, it's going to be another exciting uh, season. Can't wait for the National Football League, HBCU football and I'll be interested to see what happens in at the FBS level. I mean, you have all of these different changes. USC, UCLA now, well, not this year, obviously, but going to the Big 12, what's ultimately going to happen uh, with, with other conferences, with other teams. There's been talk of maybe there's just being two conferences. What now possibly happens to the ACC, uh, perhaps? What happens to the Pac-12? I mean, if you look at the Big 12, the Big 12 has some teams coming in, rated the AAC. And, you know, a lot of this, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, it's been several years now. I mean, I have to think back to how many years it's been. What, about maybe 15, what has it been, uh, 15 years or so? when the ACC decided to raid the Big East and got, you know, Miami and got Virginia Tech and got Boston College to kind of beef up that football uh, because the basketball was already good. And then you're bringing three programs in, and Syracuse, who was already really good in basketball, but Miami, not so much. Virginia Tech, not so much. Um, Boston College, basketball-wise, was decent. Uh, uh, But now, look, I mean, with the landscape, I mean, that was what... I guess maybe, I don't know, it may have been more than 15 years ago, but the landscape of college football, even after that, has really changed, I mean, really exponentially uh, to the point of where we are now when you're talking about Texas and Oklahoma in a couple of years going to be in the SEC. You're going to be talking about USC and UCLA uh, going to be in the big Ten. So I mean, I, I'll be interested to see what happens this year. You you obviously have some great storylines in FBS football. I mean, you've you've got Lincoln Riley at USC, which is big. I mean, so you you've got 
you know, you've got Alabama and Nick Saban. What's going to happen there? The whole dynamic with Texas A&M, right? Like there are a lot of, lot of storylines in FBS football. And so, I mean, I guess I'll, you know, I'll be looking forward uh, to, to that and to some of the storylines. And then, of course, the National Football League uh, going to get started generally. What is that? The second it's the second Sunday. It's the Sunday after Labor Day. And really, the season generally kicks off that Thursday after Labor Day. So football season is upon us. So while I was gone, quite a bit happened, as a matter of fact, that I want to touch on on today's program. You've got Lamar Jackson still not signed by the Baltimore Ravens. I think that's an interesting dynamic. I mean, if you're if you're Lamar Jackson and you don't get a deal or, and I'm not sure if the Ravens can franchise tag him this year. I don't guess they can franchise tag him this year. I think they can franchise tag him. I mean, do you play on the franchise tag? I mean, with the way that things are in the National Football League, I mean, I wouldn't play on the franchise tag if I'm Lamar Jackson, right? Because, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm getting paid the average of the top five quarterbacks in the National Football League. I mean, that's all fine and dandy, but I'm still well below some guys that have, have signed contracts more recently. I mean, I look at the Deshaun Watson contract. I mean, that, you know, the Browns really went all out. I mean, you talk about desperation because you're talking about a, a quarterback that didn't even play in the National Football League last year. You look at what he's been able to do over the course of his career. He was one of those guys. Very much, Deshaun Jackson, very much like, uh, excuse me, Deshaun Watson, very much like Lamar Jackson, guys that certainly uh, didn't, people didn't think that their games from college could transfer or translate into the National Football League. I believe a lot of that had to do because they're black. I mean, listen, if you saw Lamar Jackson playing college, like I don't watch, it's hard to watch, you know, as, as the, as the play-by-play voice for North Carolina A&T football. So I'm I'm basically at a game every week calling A&T games. It's hard to watch. And then, you know, you go through the course of a, of a day with travel and whether it's a home game or not, there's travel involved. Maybe I'm maybe able to get home and see a, a late game. But I remember an off week. I think it was, may have been 2016 or 2017, an off week. And it was a big game, Louisville. I forget, may have been playing Clemson. It was a huge football game. I think Louisville ended up losing that game. But I, you could look right there and see this guy is going to be able to play. So when, I, when I'm talking about Lamar Jackson, so when you talked, heard about all of the, you know, in the offseason of his final year in college, and maybe he would switch to wide receiver, and he wasn't going to be a high round draft pick and Ozzie Newsom did a tremendous job was the last thing one of the last things he did as the general manager of the Baltimore Ravens was to move up and in I think it was the last selection or next to the last selection something like that in the draft in Lamar Jackson's draft class selected Lamar Jackson and it turned out to be a great move Lamar Jackson is absolute box office okay I want if I'm flipping between games on a Sunday, I'm, of course, watching the Commanders play. 
But if I'm not watching it, and of course I probably will watch the Panthers because they're local here in Carolina. I want to keep up with what the Panthers are doing. But then third team I'm watching, if they're playing at the same time as the Commanders, will be the Baltimore Ravens because I want to see what Lamar Jackson can do. So you hope that the Ravens and Jackson can come to some kind of agreement. They're going to have to pay Lamar Jackson. I mean, they're just going, the Ravens are going to have to pay Lamar Jackson. Will he uh, be paid Deshaun Watson money? That's, listen, the Browns were desperate. I mean, that's what, $240 million or whatever it is guaranteed for Deshaun Watson. Guaranteed money. I mean, I think, I think a lot of teams probably not happy with the Browns on that move at all. But, I mean, I think it has to be – I don't know. I think it has to be more than Josh Allen, right? Like, let's remember, Lamar Jackson has an MVP on his resume. He has an MVP on his resume. When he got hurt, things absolutely fell apart for the Ravens. You can talk to me about being able to throw the quarterback, uh, throw the football and all of those kind of things at the quarterback position. A lot of the same knocks were had against Michael Vick. I wanted to see Michael Vick play. And by the way, Michael Vick could pass the football. And by the way, Lamar Jackson is not a bad passer. I mean, so I mean, to me, I mean, I want to see him play. I think if you're the Ravens, you've got to get this contract hammered out because without Lamar Jackson if you're the Ravens you have nothing you, they've they haven't surrounded him with a whole lot in terms of wide receivers and he's got some tight ends you know a, a lot of last year with the Ravens I mean I think the Ravens may have been Super Bowl uh uh pick a Super Bowl pick to start the season but then you had the you know you had the the injury at running back like three deep at running back got injured you had all of those injuries and the Ravens were still right there. But once Lamar Jackson went down, then it was pretty much over for the Ravens. If you're the Ravens, I know if you're a Ravens fan, you got you to gotta feel like, man, Baltimore, we got to sign this guy. We got to get him in camp. We got to get him ready to rock and roll because the Ravens have nothing, uh, in essence, without Lamar Jackson. So that's still lingering out there for the Ravens and how ultimately that will work. We're going to talk about maybe a little bit more about Lamar Jackson. Terry McLaurin resigns with the Washington Commanders. That's big. John Wall uh, is now a Clipper. To me, that now makes the Clippers one of the upper echelon teams in the West. I would say top three. Uh, they already when you talk about Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, coming back, Paul George, you add a John Wall to that mix, boy, that is going to be huge. I want to talk some more college football. Brett Yorman, former CEO at Rock Nation, now the commissioner of the Big 12, says the Big 12 is open for business. The Big 12 is open for business. That's all you need to know uh, about college football and where things stand and also college athletics as a whole. So we'll talk more about that. Joining us today here on the program, WWE wrestler Raquel Gonzalez, almost also a former collegiate basketball player, going to join us on the program. Super excited about that and many more topics 
of conversation, including about the National Football League. Sit back, relax, and enjoy as Box to Roll rolls on. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Paul Heyman. I'm not flattered by the introduction, one of. Uh, if you go home tonight and you make love to your wife and she turns to you and she says, Honey, you're one of the best lovers I've ever had. Uh, would you feel complimented and emboldened or would you be filing for divorce tomorrow? I'm the best that has ever done this job. I will introduce myself as the greatest of all time, the GOAT, the special counsel to the undisputed universe heavyweight champion of WWE and need of all sports entertainment, Roman Reigns. From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. Back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. WWE wrestler and former collegiate basketball player Raquel Gonzalez going to join us on the program. Raquel Gonzalez going to join us here on the program to put a cap on the Lamar Jackson situation with the Ravens. You hope that that deal gets done. I think, I mean, I think the Deshaun Watson deal sort of reset uh, the market, all of that money guaranteed. You thought the Kirk Cousins deal going back some years ago and then subsequent re-ups in terms of all fully guaranteed contracts, not nearly, obviously, the money that Deshaun Watson got, but you thought those, I mean, Deshaun Watson got crazy. I mean, got a crazy deal. We'll see what happens. I mean, there. I, I, I'm hearing some talk now that, it may not be, he may not be, meaning Deshaun Watson suspended for a whole season. We'll see. And by the way, also, I forgot to mention, and we'll talk about this, as you know, and I, but I didn't have a chance to talk about it, was out last week, Baker Mayfield now signing 
with the Carolina Panthers. Want to touch on that as well. Want to touch on Terry McLaurin and his re-signing with the Washington Commanders, what that means. But, I mean, if I'm if I'm Lamar Jackson, I mean, I'm looking, I mean, I just don't know. The Ravens got to get this done. And by the way, I mean, I do think it is a big deal that Lamar Jackson is representing himself. I mean, I think that is a really big deal. Um, I'm all for I'm all for that for representing yourself in a way. In other words, the pros to that means you don't have to give an agent, you know, I think it's like four to six percent, maybe four to eight percent, depending upon the agent of the contract, which I mean, if let's just say you're you're talking about a couple hundred million dollars. Well, if I'm talking about eight percent of that, well, that's 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 a decent amount of money. But I think also what happens is that agent is the buffer between you and the organization. So, I mean, it's, it's just not a lot of, you know, maybe hard feelings because maybe as you may have heard, ex-Raven Bernard Pollard and Lamar Jackson have gotten in or gotten to this, this Twitter beef. Uh, uh, Pollard said some things that rubbed Lamar Jackson the wrong way and, and, uh, and, and Jackson took offense to those things. And so, you know, I think – you know, if if you're Jackson, I mean, some of the things I think Pollard was saying are accurate. But listen, to me, when I look at Lamar Jackson, I look at the way he plays. I love to watch him play. Like, I, I, I want to see the Ravens play for him. But I also think, I mean, he's not your traditional quote-unquote quarterback like he's going to drop back and pass. I mean, but he can pass the football. That's the thing about it. He can pass the football. You can look at, you can see that going back to his days at Louisville. But I think the other part of this is he has an opportunity to get better from a more of a pass completion percentage perspective as well. I mean, listen, and I and I realized Joe Flacco, after he won the Super Bowl, he got all of that money from the Ravens and never was the same. Maybe he had one good year after that, but he was still had a strong arm, serviceable enough, and John Harbaugh and his staff, once they realized what they had in Jackson, and it was at his rookie season towards the latter part, John, uh, you know, that was that was the end for Joe Flacco. Jo- Lamar Jackson became the man, and then of course went on to win an MVP. And I mean, if you're the right, but I, I just from from a money standpoint, what do you pay him? I think he's got to be paid more than Josh Allen. He's got an MVP under his belt. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, with the the uh, Deshaun Watson situation, I mean, I think that um, is just uh, that that's just that's just something totally totally different in terms of Patrick Mahomes. Right. You look at his contract. I mean, you know, he got a big contract. I think, you know, I think what may be be I don't know what may be best is maybe he gets a Deshaun Watson like kind of contract. But with with some of those not fully guaranteed, but maybe he even gets more than what a Patrick Mahomes is getting. Uh, per year or even more and not even a per year because remember Patrick Mahomes contract is like a 
it's like a it's like almost a five hundred million dollar contract over ten years. It's like four hundred fifty million dollars, something like that over ten years. I don't that it's not fully guaranteed, but maybe you get something where if if it's Lamar Jackson, where you get incentives. I would say not for necessarily your play on the field, but being able to play on the field. In other words, the kind of game that Lamar Jackson has, it's, you know, it's not tailor made for being around the national football league for a long time. He does a lot of running. He's, he's an exciting quarterback and it can lend to injury as it did last year. So maybe it's some kind of incentive. Maybe you sign something that's maybe more of a shorter deal with more money per year. I don't know, but these two, meaning the Ravens and Jackson's got to be able to work this thing out. Uh, but I think the I think a lot of the onus and a lot of the pressure more so is on the Ravens to sign Jackson. He's box office. Not only that, he is your team, especially from an offensive standpoint. He's your team. You got to have that guy on your team. So we talked about Deshaun Watson and, I mean, and again, it, Will he sit out the whole season? Not sure about that right now, but the Baker Mayfield situation certainly tied in to Deshaun Watson from this perspective. Mayfield wanted out. He made that known a long time ago. He said he would not play for the Browns. That had been some talk about maybe him playing, uh, and not from his camp, but people were saying maybe he would play for the Browns now with Deshaun Watson possibly being out if not the whole season, then at least part of the season uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Ultimately, what has happened, and you knew some of the front runners in terms of uh, where Baker Mayfield would ultimately land the Seahawks in need of a – well, I, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not bashing Drew Locke. Like, a lot of people are bashing Drew Locke. Like, I watched Drew Locke play a couple of years ago, and I, I'm not – I, I – I, I saw some things in him, I'll say that, that I think could lead. I mean, w- will he be a preeminent quarterback? I'm not saying that, but I think he's going to be a – can be a solid quarterback. You know, every quarterback in the National Football League is not going to be great, but he's. I think he's going to be good. Enough. I mean, obviously you're taking a big drop um, from – from, uh, going from Russell Wilson to a Drew Locke, but, I mean, I think he's going to be solid. But anyway, the Seahawks – and then the Panthers. And you look at the Panthers. I thought, okay, that, I mean, that may be a good destination for Mayfield. The problem with the Panthers, however, is you already – the Panthers had already pretty much guaranteed um, the, the, the contract of Sam Darnold. So if you, if you were the Panthers, like you couldn't afford to have Mayfield at his $20 million contract and then also have Sam Darnold. So it ultimately worked out. Uh, the Browns, I think, picked up $10 million of the contract. Uh, and then the rate, the um, Panthers have picked up now $5 million of the contract. And I think he may have even taken, meaning Mayfield may have even taken a pay cut uh, to be in Carolina. But to me, and again, I watched the Panthers some. I watched Sam Darnold play last year, and he and he was awful. I mean, he, he was bad. I mean, there's no question about it. He was bad, uh, so bad that... The Panthers went back to Cam Newton. I remember being at that his first home game, playing the Commanders, 
and it was electric. He played, meaning Newton played relatively well, but then it went downhill from there. He just didn't play well at all. And but the thing about Sam Darnold, he he never he didn't really have a great shot with the Jets. The Jets were a mess. Adam Gase was a mess, and so that was a, just a bad situation for Darnold. He comes to the Panthers, and I, I think he started off pretty good. Uh, but it just didn't end well. But I, but to me, he showed flashes of someone that could be decent. I'm not saying he's going to be a great quarterback. I mean, he sh- to me, showed flashes. So when the Panthers obviously had to ride with him this year because they had already guaranteed his contract, I mean, I thought, okay, it's not the worst thing, uh, right? And you're certainly not going to bring in Baker Mayfield and pay his $20 million contract also. To me, I think Sam Darnold is your guy right now. Again, Baker Mayfield has showed that he can play in this league. He showed he's won. You know, he's he's got that competitive. Uh, he's he's a competitor. He had a bad season last year. Whether he was injured or not, people are not going to look at it that way. If you, because he played, he played injured and he didn't play well at all uh, last year, and. The Browns were good. They had a good defense, good offense, uh, decent weapons, even without OBJ, who ultimately was traded. Uh, and they had a good running game and a solid offensive line, and the Browns were not good. But let's go back to Baker Mayfield the year before that, the Baker Mayfield that led uh, the Browns or helped lead the Browns to a win in the playoffs over the Pittsburgh Steelers, who you could argue, I mean, they, they again, the Steelers coming into that one, were on a bit of a slide. I think it had had only won one game in their like last five or six games to end that season. Uh, but you're talking about a Steelers team um, that, I mean, may have not been great, but at the same time, that's a Steelers team that should have beaten the Browns and Mayfield got it done. And listen, I mean, I, you know, we see that he's capable. He's, a, he's capable, but I think Darnold is the guy right now because Darnold was in the offense last year. He understands the offense. He understands uh, the philosophy of, of the offense uh, with Matt Rule. And so I think right now, Darnold's your guy. I think at the end of the season, it's going to be Mayfield. That is just what I believe. Uh, that'll be the guy, and I think Mayfield. And then, you know, the Panthers will be in a situation uh, where – uh, they will have to decide whether they're going to. I, I doubt. I mean, Darnold would have to do something spectacular this year for the Panthers to re-sign him, okay, to re-sign Sam Darnold. But we'll see. I mean, we'll we'll see how it plays out. We'll see who the quarterback is. But I think it's a good situation for the Panthers, at least moving forward. And even for this year, and by the way, when you've got Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, as your wide receiver is not bad, if Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy, may be a good deal for the Panthers. Raquel Gonzalez is up next. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. And that's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to uh, WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I always say representation is it's not a request. It's a requirement, and I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just 
creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, we are representation for women and for black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the greatest days them all and, and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years you get to it. <laughs> encouraging people to be better and do better and, and that's what i love man so thank you i appreciate you i'm talking about none other than common well i ended up in fam just because i wanted to major in business and fam you had the illustrious school of business then i found out that business was the key that's what i wanted to do nba all-star chris paul that was great to bring it back to one salem state university uh black college something that my city had never seen before may never see again and just having a up close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melogs. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Went to Salem State where I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were re- we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing a Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a... You know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was playing for Coach K. He gave me the keys to, to the car, and I was driving it in first eight games. And you know, being a part of something special like that, and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one, is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. Woo-hoo! And you're listening to From the Press Box 
From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. Let's continue here on Box to Row and Radio Boss. We're joined by a young lady, as a matter of fact, who is on SmackDown, WWE SmackDown, love SmackDown, love WWE in general. You can see her Fridays on Fox. And as a matter of fact, she's going to be in Raleigh on August the 12th as SmackDown comes to Raleigh. She is Raquel Rodriguez. She joins us here on Box to Row and Radio Boss. Raquel, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk everything SmackDown, and I'm excited to be back in Raleigh in North Carolina. It's been a minute. Okay, so when were you last in Raleigh or North Carolina? It's probably been about two or three years since we were there with NXT doing a little road loop. Um, So we had a couple events out there in North Carolina and Raleigh being one of the stops. And I just remember it was such a great atmosphere. The people were awesome. The crowd was on fire. So I'm excited to be with SmackDown this time and really get get some good action going. Yeah, that's interesting because you I mean, you're having sort of a meteoric rise in some respects. I believe I saw your because I watch almost every week. So I believe I saw your debut in WWE. Was it May? Was it May? May have been May. So it was only a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah, it was about two months ago. I've been with SmackDown for about two months now. Um, it was right after like WrestleMania that I got the call and and had my debut within like two weeks of being up there. <laughs> How nervous were you? I mean, you've done you were in NXT. I mean, and, and wrestling's in your blood. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk more about that. But how how nervous were you to be on SmackDown? I mean, we're talking about. I mean, it's one thing to and and don't get me wrong. It's one thing to be on cable. It's network television on Fox. Did that make a difference? How nervous were you? Oh, I was so nervous. You don't. There's so much pressure that comes with being put in such a a big position, and especially because me as a performer and as an athlete and someone who's been with the Performance Center and NXT for a couple of years, I really wanted to make like a good first impression. You know, like I wanted to make a statement. So it wasn't even just the pressure of being on televised TV that was there but it was also the added pressure of my own <laughs> my own pressure that was just like come on you have to do this Raquel you you got this you got this just consistently pep talking myself throughout the entire day <laughs> wow no that's that's awesome you did you did you, you did well you made quite an impression on on Smackdown on Friday night thank you so let, let, let's speak to your so your father your father was a wrestler um, and so it's in your blood. And so, I mean, did you, having seen him and kind of growing up in wrestling, is that what kind of got you um, sparked to get into wrestling? Yeah, it definitely was. When I was younger, I, we used to travel with my dad every weekend. You know, we would drive from the Valley, South Texas, um, two to four hours. Sometimes we would go to Mexico with him and it would just be like a fun little family road trip for the weekend. But being in that world and being in that atmosphere, I just loved it. And I'm such a daddy's girl, too, that anything he did, I wanted to do, too, because I just wanted to hang out with him all the time. Um, so I really I fell in love with Lucha Libre and with wrestling and sports entertainment in general. And and because at the time it was a little bit different for the women, you know, when I had told my dad of my ambitions and my dreams of being a wrestler, he was like, oh, not for you, not for my baby girl. So <laughs> he was like, first, you're going to go to college. First, you're going to get an education. And then, you know, we can see where you kind of go from there. 
So that's exactly what I did. I started to play basketball and then I got a scholarship for basketball, went to college, graduated. And as soon as I graduated, I said, how about now? And the best thing about it was that the women's evolution was slowly starting to take effect at that time too. And my dad could see the changes within the women's division in wrestling. And he was very excited for me, still nervous for me, but um, he was very supportive. And so he kind of gave me like a two year limit to try and make it. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, no question about it. The one and only Raquel Rodriguez joins us here on Box to Row and Radio Boss. Of course, uh, you can check her out each Friday uh, on Fox, on SmackDown. She'll be in Raleigh, as a matter of fact, uh, for SmackDown. Uh, the, the, so basketball, right? So you were college college star you you're more of a defensive player though right oh definitely I was a defensive player I remember I think it was my freshman or my sophomore year that I got defensive player um of the month for like four months in a row just off of blocks I was averaging like four to five blocks a game <laughs> it was just it was so much fun to me it was like a game you know what I mean I was like oh there it is I don't know what it is about blocking and and just getting up in people's face but I love it <laughs> well how was your but well, how were your offensive skills though you know, my offensive skills weren't too bad. I'll say that. I think um, when I was starting in basketball, I really liked to up my stats by consistently missing so that I could keep getting the rebound um, because then my rebound numbers just went up. So then I was having like double doubles at the end of every game. Um, but, you know, it was, it was good. It was pretty good. Because <laughs> te- now Texas A&M Kingsville, that's Division Two, correct? Is that Division Two? Yes, that's a division two. I played there for two years and then I transferred to Sam Houston State in Huntsville, Texas, which is a D1. Correct. So it was, it was a little bit different of the competition. I had to switch positions as well because at Sam Houston, I was no longer the tallest girl. So I couldn't be center anymore. I had to be a power forward, but I still really enjoyed it. And it was a little bit more of competition. So I think it made it more, you know, like just. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think Sam Houston State's in the Southland, if I'm not um, if I'm not mistaken, maybe in the Southland Conference. Am I right? So I mean, that's a pretty, that's some solid. I think Lamar's in that conference. Above. That's some solid basketball. See, yeah, I, I know, I know what's up. You know, you know what's up in Texas basketball. Okay. Yeah, so this, I mean, solid competition, right? Did you guys go to the? Did you win your? Did you win the Southland? Did you get to go to the 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 NCAA tournament? I did, yes. We went to the NCAA tournament both years that I was with Sam Houston, and we did win conference um, one of the years as well. So I did get a ring. Um, I don't have it here with me, but I do have one. It's nice. It's pretty. <laughs> and it's the highlight of my college career. It was so much fun being able to do that and say I get to do that. You know what I mean? It's it's not everyone gets that opportunity, so I'm completely grateful for it. So now the year before you came to South, uh, Sam Houston State, did Sam Houston State win the championship? Um, the year before, I'm not 110% sure, but um, I know they got pretty close because they had a pretty solid team when I got transferred over. Well, that, well look, you, you, now, so, so I, would, I would conclude at that point, right, that because of you coming to transferring to Sam Houston State, you guys win the championship two years. That's got to be the conclusion, right? I'm going to go with that, too. That is the conclusion. If anyone else tries to say differently, I'm going to tell them to refer back to this, <laughs> to this interview so that they can be corrected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one and only Raquel Rodriguez joins us here on the program, the money in the bank. So how, how, how talk about that. You know, talk about money in the bank a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So this was my first um, big WWE event. It was very, very nerve wracking. Obviously the pressure was there a hundred, you know, it was just intense, intense pressure 
throughout the entire week, two weeks leading up to it, as soon as I knew that I had qualified for the match. And this was actually my second ladder match in my entire career. So I was feeling very nervous. Um, but at the same time, with these kinds of matches, you can't go in there nervous at all. You got to go in there with the biggest balls in the room. You know what I mean? You got to go in there strong. You have to feel confident and you have to be ready to just handle whatever it is because especially in a chaotic ladder match you just have no idea what's going to happen and there's just so many moving parts and six other women it was it was intense but honestly it was one of the funnest matches i have ever had in my career i came out with a couple stitches couple blood a little bit of blood on my face but i was feeling so good i was just over the moon with with everything and how it turned out and, and even though i didn't win i'm still very happy for Liv morgan i think she works so hard i think she really deserves this victory and and now that she has the title around her waist and she's the new smackdown women's champ i have a new target to look at <laughs> so I, i'm just excited for the possibilities that this letter match has brought for everyone in the locker room no question I, you know you hit on a point a little bit earlier that i think was was apropos and, and right on point, because I mean, I, so my, my history with wrestling, I came up in, uh, you know, was born in the 70s, but came up in the 80s, Hulk Hogan and Junkyard Dog and, you know, Andre the Giant and all. It was, it was just a great, you know, it was just a great time in wrestling. And then I think I stopped watching when Ultimate Warrior beat Hulk Hogan for the championship. I believe that was 1990. I kind of stopped watching it as my children came up. I watched it here and there uh, with them. Uh, and, but really I started watching more recently because of, because really because of SmackDown, because when it came to network TV, you knew WWE was big, right? But now when you're talking about coming to network TV, that's a whole nother thing, right? But the women's division to your point is unbelievable. Uh, you know, just, just talk about that. I know you talked about it a little bit, but how, Really great, the women's. You got Rowdy Ronda Rousey, and you know you mentioned Liv Morgan yourself, Bianca Belair. I mean, the list just goes on and on of great women in WWE. Yeah, it really does, and I know that you know a lot of people when they say the women in WWE, immediately, presently, they're going to think Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, Bailey, the four horsewomen of WWE, Lexa Bliss, you know. Um, and, and that's, they are wonderful, amazing workers, but I think it's also a good time to spotlight the other women who are coming up through NXT, um, who are currently building a name for themselves in both divisions right now. Like you have Rhea Ripley on Raw, you have Nikki and Dewdrop on Raw. Over on the SmackDown side, you have Shotzi, who's just out of this world crazy and ready to just do whatever it takes and put her body on the line for whatever opportunity she gets. Down in NXT, you have... Roxy and Cora Jade and, and these are all really great amazing female athletes that are putting everything they have into this and giving their heart and their soul and their sweat and their tears and their blood to women's wrestling and I think it's a really great time to appreciate every single woman on the roster and how many different characteristics and how different we are in comparison you know I'm six foot I'm about 190 pounds, but then you have people like Alexa Bliss, who's about five foot and she probably weighs like a hundred pounds. So she's like half my size, um, but she has so much experience and, and, and just matches and wins and victories and titles and everything behind her belt. So, so it's like, you know, that's someone that I would love to compete against because she offers something that, that's differently. It's going to put me into a different situation and keep me on my toes and overall make me a better person. No doubt. So are, now you are you in SummerSlam? I, I hadn't I hadn't looked that far ahead. 
You know, um, I don't, I'm not yet. I'm not on the card, but that's not to say I that maybe you. Friday, maybe in Raleigh the following Friday, I don't know. Liv Morgan might be like, hey, you know what? I need a match for SummerSlam. And I'm going to answer that the same way I answered Rhonda's when she came, came out and gave out the call, you know? So I'm, I'm ready. Whatever it is, I'm ready. I hope I get to be in SummerSlam. <laughs> no doubt. Last thought. What can we expect in Raleigh on SmackDown August 12th? Oh, you can expect everything that you're thinking that WWE is. And that is jam-packed live action. I don't know. The, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> Yeah, we're very much looking forward to it. Raquel Rodriguez, check her out on SmackDown on Fox each and every Friday as she joins us here on Box to Row and Radio Boss. Raquel, really appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. I can't wait to be in North Carolina. <laughs> Raquel Gonzalez joining us here on the program. I can't wait for SmackDown to be here in Raleigh on August the 12th. I'm definitely going to be in the building. We got plenty more of Box to Row on the other side. Come on back. BoxToRow.com is your source for conversations with and content on some of the biggest names in sports, HBCU sports, and entertainment. BoxToRow.com. Come on. You watch the news. Be prepared to pay more taxes. Then, if you owe back taxes or haven't filed in a few years, get ready. The IRS, the largest collection agency in the world, will be coming after you. With the power to collect taxes by any means they want to. Hey, they can freeze your bank account, your passport, even padlock your business. <laughs> Good times. Look, if the IRS claims you owe them 5000 or more in back taxes and they're coming after you, don't panic. Call my friends at Get a Tax Lawyer first. Their job is to negotiate with the IRS and save you money. They're experts at it. That's all they do. And you can trust them. In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than $1,000. If you owe the IRS $5,000 or more in back taxes, call now for a free consultation. 800-450-1452. 800-450-1452. 800-450-1452. That's 800-450-1452. BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. To the latest news in the world of HBCU sports, BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches' polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box row. Row. Box to row. Box to row. An important signing by the Washington Commanders on last week that I, I think is a big signing for the Commanders and is going to have a big impact, I think, on the NFC East. I mean, I would, I would have to say that the favorite in the NFC East would have to be the Cowboys. I mean, I... You know, we can we can talk about the lack of the Cowboys advancing in the playoffs, but, I mean, the talent is definitely there, and I think it's better than what anybody else has in the NFC East. I know the Eagles made the playoffs last year, and we'll see what happens with the Eagles this year. Uh, but I, I really like this signing by 
the Commanders. And 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 again, I'm going to be interested to see you know Jalen Hurts and his progression. I but I mean getting Brown at the wide receiver. I mean I think that's huge for him. And then of course you have Smith on the other side. That's going to be big. I mean I think the Eagles are going to be really really good. But with the Commanders signing Terry McLaurin now, so. The Carson Carson Wentz signing, I think, by the Commanders is very underrated. Uh, you can look at what Wentz did last year, and I know he he received a lot of criticism in Indianapolis. And I don't, I rarely look at the numbers. I mean, those last couple of games he had were bad, including a loss to the Jaguars, uh, which the Jaguars were maybe the worst team in the National Football, maybe the worst team in the National Football League last year. And he just had a bad game. And everything was in place really coming. A lot of things, I would say, were in place for Wentz coming into the season. The running game was spectacular. The defense was really, really good. The offensive line, really, really good. I mean, I think the receivers, I mean, not so much. I mean, I think the receiving core could have used some work. And that, to me, is part of the narrative for Wentz to me last year. He didn't have, he didn't even have as good a receive. He did, well, not he didn't. He didn't have as good a receiving core as Washington currently has, especially with McLaurin. You got to look, go back to Wentz's days, not his days, but you look at that season that the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I mean, I think Wentz was on his way to possibly being the league MVP. Had it was playing well, and I realized that he was benched in Philadelphia in favor of Hertz and then was 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 cut and the uh Indianapolis signed him ex- having some big expectations and I think if you got to look at the totality of the season we can look at the last couple of games for Wentz with the Colts and they weren't good and I think those games yes Def, losing those games or the Colts losing those games are the reason that the Colts did not make the playoffs. That was a playoff team, and you know he he got bashed and probably rightfully so with the Colts. I think that if you look at the totality of the season, it it was a decent season for Carson Wentz, who is better than an average quarterback. I think Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. I think even though I don't necessarily uh, look at numbers, I think if you look at the numbers, for those that look at numbers uh, throughout the course of his career, I think the numbers bear that out, that he's uh, he's a pretty good quarterback. But now you bring a Carson Wentz who's coming off of maybe not a great season, but statistically not a bad season either, with the Colts into a Washington situation where you re-sign McLaurin. And McLaurin is one of the more underrated receivers in the National Football League. I mean, I was looking at a couple of his stats and looking at some of the numbers that were being thrown around in terms of uh, 50-50 balls and how he's able to grab those 50-50 balls. Not the biggest guy. has got elite speed. Not the biggest guy, but he had more... He had more 50-50 balls in the last, I don't know, three, well, this was his third year, actually, in three seasons, and, and, and specifically the last two, than any other receiver in the National Football League. So we're talking about 
an elite-level receiver who doesn't get the respect of an elite-level receiver because, A, he's playing on a team that's not great, and, B, he hasn't had great quarterbacks. I mean, he played, what, his rookie year, three different quarterbacks. Taylor Heineke was the quarterback on last year, and Taylor Heineke did what Taylor Heineke could do. He did the best that he could do, which wasn't bad. He wasn't a bad quarterback at all, but he wasn't anywhere near what even a Carson Wentz or the perception of what a Carson Wentz is. Now you bring a Carson Wentz into that situation. Terry McLaurin resigns. You're talking about now a deep ball because Heineke wasn't a deep ball guy. Now you're talking about a guy in Wentz that has an arm that can get the football down the field. Uh, You can use McLaurin in so many different ways right now if you're the Washington Commanders. You can, you you can, you know, you can, you can, you can throw it deep to him. You can, and and he's going to catch the tough balls. That's the thing about it. Like he's going to catch all of the tough balls. He's going to make the tough catches. He's going to be able to run by guys occasionally. He's got speed. You're going to have to double team. You're going to have to double team him. So that's going to open up some opportunities. And that's why this is a big signing because now it opens up opportunities for a guy like a Curtis Samuels. If healthy, it's going to be really, really good. It, it, it Listen, he's he's bringing on a guy. And this remember, just completed his third year. He's so mature. I, I watched his entire press conference after the signing, and he said all of the right things. And you can have a player that comes out and can say all of the right things in a press conference. But the thing about it, not only did he say, it's not about the fact that he said all of the right things. It's that he was true. He was genuine. He was sincere. And that came across in the press conference. So now you have a guy that just completed his third year and a guy that uh, the commanders are high on in a Jahan Dotson, their, their first round pick out of Penn State, who is a precise route runner, already may be a guy that you look for as a starting guy, not to mention the re-signing of a, of a Cam Sims, who's a big receiver. Now you've got a big receiver because – you know, McLaurin's not big. Dotson's not big. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Curtis Samuel's size uh, or not. Uh, but then you've got a Deami Brown out of you know. So this was a. I think this was a really good signing for the Washington Commanders because now the Commanders have. Uh, and by the way, let's not forget the running back situation in Antonio Gibson, who I think can be. Antonio, mark my words when I say this, and I can't remember if I said this going back a couple of weeks ago, but mark my words on this. Antonio Gibson is going to have an elite, if he stays healthy, an elite level season. Watch this guy play every week. Very underrated. He's a wide receiver. He was he played at Memphis. He's a wide receiver turned Running back. I just look at some of the moves that he makes, how he's able to 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 get between holes, the speed that he has. That's going to be an elite-level running back this season in the National Football League. Mark my words on that. So when I look at this Washington team, I look at the offensive line. It's going to be solid. It's going to be a better-than-average offensive line. I would say the offensive line is somewhere – Washington between 
um, above average and good. And then you couple Wentz, you couple McLaurin, you couple the weapons, you couple Gibson. That's going to be a a a a really really good offense. So I think it's sort of a game changer now in the NFC East. Everybody's talking about the Cowboys, and rightfully so. I mean, I think Dak Prescott's got to really show and prove he's getting. You know, he got paid. He really really got paid, and, and you know, you can go back to not not the 2021 season, but the 2020 season when he got hurt, he was having a really, really good season. Uh, Remember going back a couple of years ago, I was like, you know, you've got to re-sign Ezekiel Elliott if you're the Cowboys and they overpaid him. But I think they had to do that at that time because I didn't think Dak Prescott was that great of a quarterback. I think you needed an Elliott to take the pressure off of Dak Prescott. Well, guess what? Right after the signing, Zeke didn't have a great season, but Elliott did. Then you go to the 20 season, he gets hurt. He comes back last season. I thought he was solid enough, but not not good enough and not elite. I mean, it, it, all of the talk about whether he's a top 10 quarterback in the National Football League right now, I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback at all. But I think when you look at all that Dallas has on the defensive side of the football as well, their team in totality, in totality, Certainly underachieved last year when you're talking about the playoffs, but give them, I mean, you got to look at the 49ers. I mean, that was a 49ers team that went to um, the NFC Championship game. So you got to give the, you know, again, that, that was a good San Francisco team. I think Washington's right there with the Cowboys and with the Eagles to challenge for this year's NFC East crown. You may call me a homer. I'm okay with that. You can call me a homer. Man, I try to look at these things as objectively as possible, even though that's the team that I watch each and every week. Um, And I just think that the defense defense probably is an issue. That's still going to be an issue, but I I think the defense can do just enough, whereas the Washington offense is going to be very good. And it's going to keep Washington in in some ball games. It's going to allow for Washington to win some ball games. And I think it will allow for the Washington Commanders to at least challenge for the NFC East title this year. I think it's the Cowboys to lose. Um, you got to look at the Eagles. I, you know, I, something's telling me that the Eagle. I think Jalen Hurts is a solid quarterback. I said this coming into last year. I thought if you saw him play, you know, at Alabama, you saw him play at Oklahoma. I think he's, I think he's, I, I think he can get the job done. Can he be a great quarterback? I don't know about that. He's got some weapons around him. I think the acquisition of Brown was huge. That's going to be a good Eagles team, but I definitely like the Cowboys to win the NFC East, but do not sleep on the Washington football team. Condolences to the family of Rashad Jackson, who passed away earlier this week, just at the age of 45, former first-round draft pick out of Jackson State back in 2000. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Raquel Gonzalez for joining us today here on the program. Remember, HBCU Football Daily Podcast going to start on Monday, July the 25th. So check us out. And always remember to support those that support your backs. Toro is produced by DW Communications.
trust in